Bismillah, Bismillah, Alhamdulillah, Salatu Salam, Allah Rasulillah, Wala Ali, Wasafim Wala, Amma Bad, Assalamu Alaikum, Rahmatullahi Ta'ala, Wurkatu. How's everybody doing? Alhamdulillah. So, inshallah Ta'ala, today we continue with a new section. Um, this is the second section in which Allah Ta'ala begins with what? Bad Ardu Bilahmin Shaytan Rajim, Hal Ataka Hadith Musa. Has there reached you the story of Musa alayhi salam? Um, the first point that we should note is that the word hal, meaning opening with a question, is called what? Al-istifham al-tashwiqi, which means, uh, or al-istifham lit-tashwiq, excuse me, that this is a question that is that creates desire. That is the goal here, that you're asking a question in order to provoke a little bit of desire and anticipation in the audience. That's the goal, that I'm asking you, has this story of Musa Salam reached you? And you're supposed to say, hmm, what do you mean by that? Let me let me let me listen even more intently. And the fact that Allah Taala says Hal ataka, has it reached you in the singular, O Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam? The idea is that Allah Taala is addressing Musa, uh, uh, that Allah Taala is addressing the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Why? Because uh, 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 the story of Musa alaihi being denied by Fir'aun and then winning in the end is going to be encouragement for the Prophet Why? Because obviously the Prophet is being denied and being pushed back and, and oppressed by the Quraysh. They're not giving him a fair shot. And therefore Allah SWT is saying, don't worry, even if they deny you now and they push back against you now, in the end you will win. That's kind of, you could say, the underlying theme here. And furthermore, Allah Ta'ala describes it as Hal ataka hadithu, this hadith. The word hadith carries a connotation that implies newness, that this is something new to you. Now, how is it new if we've heard the story of Musa salam, countless times throughout the Qur'an, so many times throughout the Qur'an? And the idea is that it's going to be presented to you in such a way where it's going to hit you in a different way. It's going to highlight certain points about his life uh, that are going to be relevant to your situation. And, uh, and therefore, it's going, to, it's going to be as if you heard it for the first time, subhanAllah. Hal ataka hadithu Musa. And the fact that Allah Ta'ala mentions Musa salam, it should be, we should mention that subhanAllah, Musa salam is the prophet that is most mentioned in the entire Qur'an. Throughout the Qur'an, the number one uh, prophet uh, that is mentioned the most is Musa salam. And the question is why? Well, because his trials give reassurance to the Prophet that he's not alone. This is something that I mentioned a moment ago. But in addition to that, the mistakes of Bani Isra are lessons for us. Why? Because just as they were a nation that had their own government, they had times where they were underneath oppression and they had times where they were they had the upper hand. So subhanAllah, there's so many lessons in Bani Israel because us as an ummah, we also go through these ups and downs. Sometimes we are subjugated and other times we're on top. SubhanAllah, there's so much for us to learn from them. And uh, uh, SubhanAllah, Musa salam and the Prophet uh, had the most in common in general. There's many times throughout the Qur'an where they are compared to one another. In fact, SubhanAllah, we would say that the Bible even compares them in the famous Deuteronomy 18.18 18, uh, uh, where uh, it's mentioned that uh, you'll be sent a prophet that is like Moses from amongst your brethren. What we say in terms of amongst your brethren, this is referring to the Arabs, which are the brethren of uh, the Israelites. Uh, uh, yes. And so the big question, again, also another big question that we have to ask ask is, why did this go from a topic of resurrection where we were talking about, you know, the trumpet will be blown and you'll be resurrected and it will be judgment day and you will all be uh, on this big sahira, uh, this big plane standing before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ready for judgment day. Has this story of Musa salam reached you? You think that's a big shift in tone, subhanAllah, what happened? We were talking about the future, now we're going to the past. Why is that the case? Well, one reason is because the subject was about 
not just uh, Yom Qiyamah, but about their denial of how they were laughing at it, how when we become bones, uh, when we become decayed, we're going to come back. So it's about denial of resurrection. Uh, and the thing is that when you're establishing your evidence and people are denying and there's this contrast, oh, this, this conflict back and forth, Rarely do these conversations remain civil, unfortunately. So Allah Ta'ala knows that Islam is going to convince some people, it will gain a following, and therefore the denying disbelievers will become increasingly more and more hostile the more and more you debate with them about this issue. So before uh, the opposition becomes violent, Allah Subh'anaHu Wa reminds them what happened in the past when tyrants tried to oppose and tried to kill the messenger Musa salam. So this again is a reassurance that yes, things will get heated and yes, it could go down this path, but Allah is reminding Quraysh that hey, before you guys get out of hand, just remember what happens to tyrants that oppose my messengers, And point number two, the Prophet is reminded of a story in which uh, the problem wasn't the message, the Quran, and nor was it the messenger, the Prophet rather the problem was with who? The recipient, Fir'aun. So we have to remember that the Prophet took these things very heavily. He took this with a heavy heart. He would present the message and start, you know, feeling frustrated with himself. Am I not doing a good enough job? Is there something wrong? Am I not presenting it well enough? And so this reminder, this, this, this story of Musa salam, is always a reminder that, look, the problem wasn't with Musa salam, or with the Torah. The problem was with who? Or the uh, subhanAllah ayat al-kubra, these great miracles that he presented. The problem was with who? Was with Fir'aun, the recipients. And so this same situation is going on with uh, the Quraysh. Then Allah Ta'ala says what? إِذْ نَادَهُ رَبُّهُ بِالْوَادِ الْمُقَدَّسِ طُوَى When his Lord called him, إِذْ when? Nadahu Rabbuhu, his Lord called him, as in Musa and called him, Bilwad in the sacred valley, uh, Al Muqaddas, sacred, uh, of Tuwa. So, subhanAllah, first and foremost, Allah Ta'ala says, Nadahu Rabbuhu, when his Lord called him. This is really quite fascinating because we just came from the context of what, when the big shout will come and all souls will be resurrected, you'll be shocked, you'll be brought back out of your sleeplessness, uh, out of your sleep, and you will be revived. SubhanAllah, and now we're going to a scene where we can sort of relate to it. It's a little bit, uh, you know, something that we can relate to that Musa was living in a state of what? Not prophethood, where, you know, uh, he was just living his lives like the rest of us. And subhanAllah, he got this call, that his Lord called him. This isn't resurrection. This is rather what? A call to prophethood. So you see, there's a parallel between the previous topic and this one that it enlivens him. It wakes him up and it opens his eyes to the reality of this world uh, through prophethood. Bilwad, uh, what was Musa salam, doing in this valley? Well, he was seeking a fire. SubhanAllah, we know that he was with his family. He was seeking uh, guidance from the, you know, whoever was traveling. Oh, there's a light up there. There's a fire. There must be people up there. We can get some warmth with this fire. We can get some light and therefore see better in the dark. And furthermore, we can get some directions from these people. So he was seeking guidance. And SubhanAllah, he got the greatest of guidance from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And furthermore, what was he doing? He didn't just sit down at the bottom and wait for them to come down to him. Rather, he was climbing up. He was making that effort, effort to get to a, a, a notable place, a place of distinction, a place of height. And this in and of itself parallels the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, who also in the cave of Hira went up to uh, and then SubhanAllah was there praying, meditating and SubhanAllah ultimately was uh, received uh, revelation from Jibreel 
And so yes, al-muqaddas implies what? That it's a place that is designated to exalt Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, a holy place. And the Prophet also, like I said, had a similar encounter with the angel Jibreel alayhi salam. And subhanAllah, it's very fascinating that the story begins when Musa alayhi salam was startled, becomes a prophet, and also this valley of Tuwa. Why this particular place? Well, the verb tawa yatwi or tayyan means to fold something up, to shut a book, to keep secret, to settle, or it also can mean to traverse, to cross, or to pass over a certain area. This is a weaker position, but I thought it's, it's still interesting to mention that some people say that the word tuwa is actually a command to tell Musa salam to pass over quickly. Uh, and so, wallahu alam, this is just a, it seems, يعني طوى يعني طائي طائي الوادي بقدمك That tread through the valley on your uh, foot. That's another opini- opinion. So one is from طوى يطوي Another one is from وطئ يطأ وطأن فهو واطئن وطأ means to tread on something, to tread. And so could يعني طائي meaning tread through this uh, carefully. But th- these are these are weaker opinions. The strongest opinion rather is that it's just the name of this valley and it's in uh, uh, Sinai, the Sinai Desert between Egypt and Palestine. Palestine. Why is this place holy? Perhaps one reason is because it represents leaving enslavement, leaving weakness, dependence upon a, a, man, a man claiming to replace God and entering into the holy land of Sham, which is a place where they could have their independence, autonomy, freedom, and to actually worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, by making Allah ta'ala sovereign over all, not underneath somebody else's laws, but rather only obeying Allah ta'ala's laws because that's the rightful place, that Allah ta'ala is a sharia, Allah ta'ala is the lawmaker, uh, the divine lawmaker. And this is a valley that was made sacred twice, the first time when Musa salam spoke to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and the second time when Musa salam led Bani Israel out of Egypt to come to this valley and to pray. A very important point to mention is location matters. Location matters. What do I mean by this? Why would Allah ta'ala mention where he received revelation? Allah could have just said he became a prophet and he was sent to Fir'aun. But Allah ta'ala mentions that this was a sacred uh, place. This was a, 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 a holy place. Why is this being highlighted? Well, if you are, as an individual, if I am, if we are uh, you know, collectively seeking enlightenment or guidance, if we're seeking Allah Ta'ala's nur, then to get serious, what do we do? We get serious by getting up and going to a better environment. Musa salam didn't receive revelation in an arbitrary place, rather he received it in a holy place. And if you want to follow the sunnah of Musa salam, don't just pray at home. For example, you should pray at the masjid. So mashallah, tabarakallah, all you people here today are, 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 are an example of that. You didn't just say, well, you know, I, I have to pray five times a day, so I'll just pray my salah at home. Yes, mashallah, that's beautiful. But at the same time, you want to elevate yourself, go to a holy place and ask for guidance there. And this is reminiscent of the hadith of the man who killed 99 people. He repented. He asked the guy, is there forgiveness for me? The guy said no, so he killed him too. Then he killed 100 people now. And then he asked another person who was more knowledgeable and said, is there a way that I can repent? And this man who was more knowledgeable said, what? I'm just obviously going through this hadith very quickly, but it's a very important point. He said, yes, you can repent, but you have to get out of here. Because he understood, look, you're a criminal. You're hanging around gangs and all sorts of vile people. I mean, this is your lifestyle. This is the people you know and how they talk and what they're all about and what they're going to invite you to. You're in a certain environment. You have to get out of your environment. Why? Because it's always going to keep dragging you down, dragging you back to your jahili, your ignorance, and so on and so forth. So subhanAllah says you have to travel. So of course the man does. He begins to travel and then he passes away along along the way. And you know, as the story goes, that subhanAllah, the hadith mentions that uh, Allah Ta'ala essentially forgave him. Why? Because he was making that effort to get to a new environment. So yes, then Allah Ta'ala says what? اِذْهَبَ إِلَىٰ فِرْعَوْنَ إِنَّهُ طَغَىٰ That uh, go to Fir'aun, اِذْهَبَ إِلَىٰ فِرْعَوْنَ Go to Fir'aun, إِنَّهُ طَغَىٰ He has indeed transgressed. طَغَىٰ تُغْيَانَ 
transgression. This is really, really interesting. So there's a few points here. First and foremost, notice something. Musa السلام, in the previous ayah just found out that he was a prophet, right? So imagine you're in this place and you get told you're a prophet. What does that mean? He's one of the best human beings to ever exist. This is a moment to celebrate, right? Alhamdulillah, Allah chose me, right? Allah Ta'ala hasn't chosen any of us. I guess we just, you know, we're not Al-Mustafa. The Prophet was Al-Mustafa. He was the chosen one. Why? Because he had something more special than the rest of us. He was better than the rest of us, SubhanAllah. So when you're chosen to be a prophet, clearly you're a step above the rest. And so this is a very distinguished and incredible moment, SubhanAllah. So you're thinking to yourself, maybe this is a moment to celebrate. Then what's the very next words? <laughs> get out, get, you know, there's no time to celebrate, immediately get to work. This life isn't about just delighting in self-congratulatory behavior. It's about getting the job done. So subhanAllah, we shouldn't be always evaluating ourselves. Am I righteous? How, you know, brother, I want to you know, make myself so spiritually enlightened that I feel like I'm floating on the air. How can I be at such a high level? I mean, mashallah, there are some people who do want to focus on, you know, tazkiyah, spirituality. This is, a, this is a beautiful thing. But sometimes you become so self-absorbed, self-absorbed that you're just always talking about yourself and you know I'm so humble and I do this and I do that and me 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 it's like get to work man <laughs> there's a job to be done and if you do the job of the MBA if you do the job of da'wah if you get involved and try to learn practice and work on others and help you know progress the da'wah inshallah you will progress but you won't be so focused on yourself you'll be focused on the job inshallah ta'ala. you'll be focused on how do we get the masjid up and running like this and how do we get these programs and how do we call these people to Islam how do we convert people how do we teach them how to pray how do we teach them how to make wudu and you're so focused on doing the job you're not busy, self-absorbed about my, me, this, and oh, and I, and, and talking about yourself. And subhanAllah, it's very bizarre. Some people, they get very involved in, it's like, it's like shaitan's playing a trick on them. Yes, become spiritual, which is good, but then you become self-obsessed. You're always inner, 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 me, 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 me. It's just, this is, this is a trick of shaitan, that uh, the best way, uh, you know, you don't become self-absorbed. You really just try to focus on what you, the job. And now furthermore, uh, this is paralleled with an ayah in which Allah Ta'ala says, إِذْهَبَا إِلَىٰ فِرْعَوْنِ Both of you go. Now, what is the contrast between, in this surah, Allah saying to Musa Islam singularly, you go, versus telling him and his brother Harun, where this is not being the focus, that's actually in surah uh, Taha, ayah number uh, 43. I don't know. Inshallah, let me do some more research and I'll see what some uh, ulama have to say about the contrast between why the command to one here versus the command to two somewhere else. These type of topics I'm sure have been researched in depth. Unfortunately, I didn't get around to it. I apologize, but it's very, very important to understand why the, the slight difference in contrast. Anyway, yes, what's very interesting about this ayah is what? Allah says, go Musa. Allah Ta'ala never mentions that Musa went. Musa ila Fir'aun. It doesn't say that. It just says, go, and then the next scene is what? Him talking to Fir'aun. What's the idea here? It's understood. When Allah Ta'ala commands a prophet, it's done. He's going to do it. He's not going to say, well, I don't know, I'm thinking about it, this, that, and the other. Now, here's another question. Do we want to go through this type of fitna? Do we want to deal with tyranny? Do we want to? And the answer is no, we shouldn't want to. However, if it comes to us, then you're supposed to deal with it. And how do we know this? Well, there are a number of hadith about this topic. I'll mention one. The Prophet says what? Inna sa'ida laman junnib al-fitan. Inna sa'ida Happy is the man who avoids trials. Happy is the man who avoids trials. Happy is the man who avoids trials. In other words, don't try to jump into conflict. I mean, we're not the type of people who like a fight and always want to seek out the conflict. Rather, if peace is, is, the, is the status, is the circumstances, alhamdulillah, be grateful and enjoy peace and try to practice your deen uh, in, in beauty, in a beautiful way. Then the Prophet says what? 
فصبر فواهن. Then the Prophet, after three times mentioning this, he says what? He says, but how fine is a man who is afflicted and shows endurance. In other words, don't seek out fitna, don't seek out fitna, don't seek out fitna. However, if fitna comes to you and you have to be patient and you can فَصَبَرَ you can actually be patient with testing, you know, the word wah is, is an Arabic expression like when they say وَأَسَفَاه, right? It's wa alif. And then asaf means you know, uh, you know grief, and then the ha the, at the end wa asafah oh grief like oh what a terrible grief right or wa uh, farhata which means oh what a joy right and so when the prophet says what fawahan this is like oh how incredible oh how remarkable how amazing is a man that can go through all this fitna that can go deal with a tyrant like Fir'aun and still come out uh, without being uh, you know uh, badly affected by it, that can actually endure and pass the test. Allah Ta'ala mentions Allah mentions Fir'aun Now Fir'aun was the name of the political leader of Egypt Similar to a Caesar or an emperor It wasn't his actual name As for a specific name, it was Ramses II But Allah Ta'ala uses the generic term Fir'aun Which technically means the great house uh, that's in ancient Egyptian, it means the great house. And we can talk about that another time, inshallah ta'ala, in terms of onomastic miracles of the Quran. Something very fa fascinating about that. That's a side point. Anyway, the use of this term makes the point more universal. Instead of talking about one particular tyrant, Allah ta'ala is using a term to kind of indicate uh, tyranny in general. Why? Because the goal isn't just to oppose one specific historical figure, one particular oppressor. Rather, we're trying to learn a bigger lesson about opposing oppression in general. Now, was Musa only sent to Fir'aun? Allah says, ila Fir'aun, go to Fir'aun. Was he only sent to Fir'aun? Well, no, that's not the case. He was sent to Egypt in general and to the Israelites in specific. So why was he commanded to go straight to Fir'aun? Well, as they say, cut off the head and the body will die. And at the same time, you have to remember, uh, if you're rude to a people's leader, you're disrespecting all of them. You may lose them before you, they've even considered your message. So you have to make sure you tread softly. You don't want to go up and start insulting somebody's leader, and then all the followers feel like, you're going to talk that way to our leader? Immediately, I'm not going to listen to anything you have to say. So you can see why there's an emphasis on speaking in a, uh, you know, a good tone. Few more points, and then I will stop in Tada. I just want to make a few points about this word, Tuhiyan. So, taha means to transgress. Well, what were his transgressions? Violating Allah's rights, which is shirk, and violating man's rights. So, the, violating the rights of the heavens, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, shirk, and then on earth, man's rights, enslavement, and oppression. Uh, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, mentions this when Allah says what? Inna fir'auna ala fil ardi wa ja'ala ahlaha shi'an Allah says, indeed, Fir'aun uh, exalted himself in the land and made its people into factions. So one thing was divide and conquer, subhanAllah, a very popular tactic even till today, subhanAllah. And oppressing a, a sector among them, slaughtering their newborn sons and keeping their females alive. Why would you keep the women alive? I don't need to go into detail what men do with the women once they have conquered them, using them for all sorts of uh, terrible things, unfortunately. Indeed, he was of the corruptors. So subhanAllah, this is you know killing children uh, and then doing such sort of violations to the women. This is obviously you know the height. And then of course, shirk is the greatest of sins. So subhanAllah, clearly he did uh, uh, great sins, but Allah describes it specifically as turiyan. Turiyan meaning what? To transgress. This is being contrasted 
So Allah mentions this later on in Ayah 37, which we're going to get to later on, but also contrasts it with what? Tughyan versus this taqwa. What do I mean? There's a difference between what? Tughyan, which is going over all boards, versus having the ability of what? Self-restraint. He forbids himself from his desires, pushing his passions in all directions. So really you could translate Tughyan, not just as transgressing the limits, but having no self-restraint. Right? When you have no self-restraint, you just do anything. Any sort of impulse that comes your way, you just pour right over and you just do whatever comes to mind. And this is exactly lacking self-restraint could be one way of translating Tughyan. This is what was the biggest evil in Fir'aun. The difference between us and Fir'aun is that any single shahwa, any single desire, any single impulse that he had, he could easily fulfill it. That's the big difference. So we have elements of Tughyan as well. When I have impulses, it could be the case that I give in to my impulses. But guess what? There are certain impulses that I may have, but I know I don't have the money for it, I don't have the power for it, people will, I don't know, arrest me, you know, things like this. SubhanAllah, there are certain things that are going to restrain me and hold me back. But what if you are, have the power of Fir'aun? Then literally any impulse you have, you can just d- dive right into it. And so he has Tughyan, there's nothing holding him back. He's just gonna do literally anything. So what this is really fascinating because what? He could control all of Egypt, but he couldn't control himself. I'm going to say that again. He could control all of Egypt, but he could not control himself. SubhanAllah. And uh, when you have this impulsiveness, you know that you're a wicked person. You know that you're evil. You know that you give in to any uh, evil, wicked desire. And this is, a contra- this is exactly a reminder to who? To the Quraysh that are listening to this. Why? Because the Quraysh were the, themselves the ones who said in ayah number 12, This would be a losing, uh, we're gonna, we're, this would be bad. If we actually get judged on judgment day, oh man, this is going to be terrible for us. Why? Because they know they're impulsive. They know they don't control themselves. And they, therefore, they know they deserve a, 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 a punishment from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So yes, this is a prototype. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does mention many, many disgusting sins that eventually Fir'aun got himself used to and accustomed to, but what did it all, what was the root? What does it all start with? It all starts with Tughyan, a lack of self-restraint, this, desire, this ability to just do whatever uh, desire comes to your heart or to your mind. And this, even though his circumstances were, were, were unique, the condition is not unique. And that's why Allah Ta'ala says what? We're going to get to it later on. Allah says, Allah says, listen, anybody who has this taha, this tughyan, this, this lack of self-restraint, this uh, just going across, has no limits whatsoever. Anytime I have an impulse, I just jump into it. Such a person who prefers the dunya, prefers worldly life, this person is going to be, his, his final abode and his refuge will be hellfire. So those who don't learn from history are doomed to repeat it. Yes, so uh, inshallah ta'ala, with that uh, we close, and inshallah ta'ala we're going to continue with the story of which is very, very beautiful. The da'wah of Musa will continue next week, but subhanAllah, may Allah ta'ala make us of those who have self-restraint, that uh, may Allah ta'ala make us of those who are not the type of people who go in all kinds of tughyan, that we have no limits, we always cross them. The moment we have an impulse, we just cross any sort of limits that we think are wrong. Who cares? I feel like it, so I'll do it. May Allah protect us from this quality of Fir'aun. Ameen, Rabbil Alameen. Jazakallah khair. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.